So there are different responses to silence. And, um, you know, whether you uh, loved silence as a child or it was difficult for you, um, whether you longed for it or you never had it, uh, silence comes with energy. And there are people who feel that energy is something they don't long for and others that say, oh, if I could just get a minute of silence. So silence, when we're thinking about the way we are, let's just show you this little rhinoceros. This rhinoceros um, actually is a painter and, uh, and really um, puts himself in all of his work, right? So we may think that we're seeing things as they really are, but we all have a horn of sorts. And the way that we view the world shows up in everything we're doing. So this painter, even though everything he's painted has no horn, his horn shows up in every one of those pictures. So there's a, uh, there's a saying that is anonymous. Many people have said it. We don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. So when we're looking out at the world, we might say, um, you know, this is the way it is. Well, it is the way it is through your own horn, right? So just laugh at yourself because it's true about you too. Every one of us have a perspective. And, and the beauty, though, is saying that God really understands that we have a way of seeing things and God has a way of teaching us and training us and forming us. And so silence, whether it was good as a child or good right now, um, there are so many beautiful scriptures about silence that there's an invitation to enter into kinds of silence that is healing and holding and nourishing and strengthening and a way for you then to go out into your world from a place that has been with God. So when you take a look at this picture right here of St. Benedict with his arms up in the air, I was in Nebraska last week, as Scott told you, and, um, and I was in 48 hours of continual silence. But in that period of time, there were um, nine times we were in 20 minutes times two with a brief walking exercise in between and practicing a prayer called centering prayer. Or if you come to Crossroads, you might know it as returning prayer, where we actually let go of our own words so that we might hear the, the voice of the one we long to hear, God. So it takes practice. I don't know if you guys have ever worked out with weights, but when you first start to work out with weights, you can start feeling weaker before you start feeling stronger, right? And it's the same thing with practicing letting go of your words. You might feel weaker before you feel stronger. Now, some of you might be saying, Claire, I'm really quiet. I'm an introvert. I don't talk to people. And I would say, well, so it's silent out here for us, but in here, I bet there's a whole lot of talking. There's a lot of self-talking. There's a lot of inner narrative, right? And in fact, sometimes people who are those that refrain from talking out here but are talking a lot in here, they tell me when they go into silence on retreat, it is so loud. They're like, it's so loud in here. I had no idea how loud it was in my head. And I've been practicing for 17 years um, because for the first 40 years of my life, I was never quiet. I know you can't imagine that. But, you know, God was developing my ability to communicate. I was the youngest of six children in a household of extroverts. 
And so we were all talking all the time. Every dinner table was full of singing and talking and and carrying on, probably like the Thomas household, right? Yeah, that's how you guys are. And I love it. I love it. I loved it. I loved that part of my life. But what I realized when I first tried to be still in God's presence was it was not quiet in here. It was not quiet in here. I was full of my own words. I was full of my own chaos. And so I wouldn't recommend that you go on a retreat and try what I did last weekend if you've never even spent 10 minutes practicing letting go of your own words. Um, Because by about the, I don't know which prayer practice time it was, it might have been the fourth or the sixth, um, while I was in silence for 48 hours, there there were particular practices that were saying, you're not just in silence reading. You're not just in silence in silent communication with God. You're actually practicing letting go of your own inner critic, your own inner narrative, your own inner bully that shows up when you're quiet, that would try to make you feel guilty or shameful or fearful. So what we realize is that, um, so what I love about this is uh, the friends that led this retreat, they call this statue Touchdown Benedict. And, uh, and, and they call him Touchdown Benedict because Benedict developed a rule of life that was work and rest. Work and rest. And many of us work, 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 work. Or many of us rest, 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 rest. I don't know. You, you name it. But there is something that happens when out of your silence, being present to God, you actually show up in the world. I got to tell you, that that brings healing. So this next slide, what you'll see is that there are nine styles. And you're going to have to let go of some things if you want to try to practice silence and listening to God. It really is like working a muscle out. And you might have a few of these things that you've taken to an art form. So for me, I have to let go of the need to produce. I have to let go of the need to be secure. And I have to let go of the need to avoid conflict. All three of those. When I'm in silence, I get to practice that. I get to practice that. And so I don't know what you need to practice. Maybe you need to practice letting go of the need to be needed. Or letting go of the need to be special. Or the need to know it all. Or the need to avoid uh, pain or the need to challenge. So some people tell me, and you'll, you'll get to see this, I, there are all kinds of things that rise up for them when they're actually in the silence. And so we're going to practice some ways that we can create an inner stillness today. Are you all with me? Would you be willing? And then what we're going to do is we're passing these out right now so that you can take it home. We might not get through um, all of the scriptures or all of the prayers or all of the songs, but you'll get to take it home. And you'll get to say, okay, how could I actually practice creating some stillness in my own life? Because it's a lot of stuff going on in there. And, and God um, gives us these beautiful ways to be still and know that God is God. So I want to show you this one slide about your relationship with God in solitude and silence. And, um, and you're going to look at it on your page. Can we get some helpers for our, um, for our ushers, please? Thanks, guys. Um, so what we know is that many of you have no practice for silence. And some of you... Uh, I, I loved it. One of our farmers came up to me and said, when I'm on the tractor, I get a lot of silence on that tractor. And, and yet what he said was really interesting. He said, but I don't, I don't meditate. 
You know, the, the word meditate comes from the Greek word meditatio, which is like you chew the word of God and then it actually is kind of gross. So I hope you're all right with this. But cows chew. Everybody should have their own. Everyone should have their own, one to each person. So the cows, they chew and then they spit out grass and then they take it back in their mouth again and they chew it again and they swallow it and then they vomit it up and then they eat it again and they chew it. You guys, isn't that gross? But there's a wonderful idea around it. It's like I'm learning how to get every bit of nourishment out of one word from God. Out of one thing God is attempting to say to me. Because a lot of times we're in this clinging, grasping, trying to make stuff happen mode. And we could actually find one word from God that could still the whole deal for you. It could actually quiet down all the inner chaos. All the inner racket. Right? Who would like a little more of that? actually having peace in your soul, like peace in your soul. And not just occasionally when you come to church, but a way that peace can guide you and lead you. And you have a a still point in this temple where you dwell with God and God alone. So when you're looking at this, I just want to ask you, you know, your relationship with God and solitude and silence, it's, it's one of the ways that we're talking about praying over these 40 days of Lent. And, you know, you see this beautiful, these beautiful scriptures. If you'd read them with me, the uppercase, we'd love to read all together. For in God alone, my soul waits in silence. From God comes my salvation. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I mean, there's so many places that we could talk about where Jesus actually went away to have a still point, to have a place where he was alone with God for God's own sake. So, you know, solitude is not about being alone because many of you are alone a lot. Solitude is about being alone away from fellowship with people to be with God, right? Silence is not just about not talking. Silence is refraining from sharing words to listen to the word that comes from God. So it's very different. You could be alone in silence and solitude and not really be alone with God, right? So there's an intentional way to say, I'm, I'm here to be with you, God. And what we know is that all kinds of stuff will come up for you. You know, silence is fasting from speaking to listen to God. Solitude is fasting from fellowship with others to be alone with God. Prayer is a means of dialogue with God. And prayer is the outgrowth of silence and solitude. I mean, if you've ever had a conversation with God and you say, I don't even know what else to say, that's good. It's great to run out of words when you're talking to the creator of the universe and the one who has this beautiful plan for your life so that there's a still place in you that can hear and receive the word of God, right? Each personality style is tempted to give up on solitude and silence. Some would say, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Others might say, well, people need me. I can't, I can't go to solitude. Or others would say, well, what am I producing if I'm away in solitude and silence? And, and some would say, oh, it's just got to be really special. And if it's not special, I'm never doing it again. And then others would say, well, is it going to be interesting? Because if it's not going to be interesting, I'm not doing that. And others would say, is it safe? 
I, am I going to be safe? Am I safe now? And others would say, will it be fun? Because if it's not fun, I don't do stuff that's not fun, right? And then others would say, well, is it going to be big enough? Like, is it going to be big so that I can say I had this big encounter with God, right? And then some would say, I don't know. I don't have peace. And if I do that silent thing, I hear all my inner racket. So what I would say is that that is naming all of those uh, those styles, those personality styles that keep us from practicing. And I have to say, 17 years later, you know, as I practice every day, Scott and I practice every day, uh, silence and solitude and listening. But last weekend, I realized I was in a place in my life, man, I had so much inner chaos that I didn't even notice it in the first three prayer sets. It was like prayer set number four that I, I was actually quiet enough to hear all the junk of my life and then say, oh God, it's noisy in here. And how do you want to be with me now? So um, Jeff is going to read to us from Luke chapter 15. And what you might notice in Luke chapter 15 is that there's, uh, there are two sons, um, and the one son wants his inheritance, and he ends up uh, doing some things that, that hurt his life and the life of other people, just like me and you. There have been things you've done in your life, sins you've committed in your life that you're sorry for and you wish never would have happened. And this one son ends up in a pig pen, eating with pigs. And when he's eating with pigs, he's actually in solitude and silence for the first time, probably in his whole life. And he actually has a come-to-Jesus moment in his heart. Like he was alone with the junk of his life. And he got to say, oh my God, I'm away from my father. I want to go home. I want to go home. And what happens many times is if we don't create solitude and silence intentionally, we'll end up in a pig pen where we pay attention to it because now we're eating with pigs. And we've had it both ways, right? But we get to choose once we realize, wow, if I'm actually going to pay attention regularly, I might get to see the junk of my life in a way that I'm not going to hurt my life anymore. I'm not going to hurt the life of the people that I really care about anymore. And so we listen to these words of scripture, knowing that this is your word for us. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. told them this parable which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it Jeff, prodigal son 
was good too. But, uh, okay. Verse 11. Oh, my bad. <laughs> you're good. Now you're good. I'll just read. <laughs> Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe salmon took place throughout the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have um, filled himself with the pods and the that the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired hands had bread enough and to spare but here I am dying of hunger I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him father I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still afar off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion.
the picture of the prodigal son in the arms of God. Notice the non-judgment, even though the son is tattered and carries with him all of the signs of the life he's just lived. The smell and the look of this son told the story of living in ways that are not befitting a son. And yet the father's arms, the father's embrace, the father's grace didn't ask the son to clean up before he touched this son. He knew the son had a God encounter in the pig pen. He knew that the pig pen actually showed this son God. That even the darkness was light there. to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. God of patient love, you await the return of the wayward and wandering and eagerly embrace them in love. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens and your faithfulness to the skies. 
Through grace, you have clothed us with the glory of Christ and restored our inheritance. Give us generous hearts to welcome all who seek a place at the table of your unconditional love. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Will you say that again with me? Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. So I want to guide you in a prayer that's called returning prayer. And I don't know if that image of the prodigal son stands out for you or if there's another one, you know. Um, I remember one day when uh, we were on retreat and Kathleen was walking through this room and she said for the first time she noticed a painting that had been hanging here for years. She said, I never saw it before. And I just had to sit down and sit with that painting and say, why didn't I notice it before? And God, what do you want to say to me now? So there might be an image for you that, that holds when you're praying and you say, I see God as the shepherd taking care of the sheep. We have one friend in the church that loves that picture of Jesus throwing his head back and laughing out loud. But that's an image when they're praying. They love to be with that image. Um, Others, you know, when they see the image of Christ on the cross, one of the reasons that they might pray with a prayer cross or have a cross hanging in their room is that when they stay with the image of the cross, it reminds them that nothing is impossible. That God has done all God could possibly do for us. So there is an image for you, or maybe there's a name for God. You know, maybe you call God Savior when you pray, or Holy One. Maybe you call God Father, or you say, Jesus Christ, Son of David. There are so many names for God in the Scripture because you are not the same as I am, and I'm not the same as you are. And God gave us a way to be intimate in a relationship with God that can be like an anchor holding and a safe place to be with God. You know, people who had a a difficult image of a father might not want to call God Father today. You know, there are scriptures that call God this, you know, I long to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. And others can't imagine that as being a way to see God and they won't be with God that way. What is the name or image for God that connects you in a way that you can let go of your own story and be with God and receive from God in ways that only God can do what God wants to do for you? Many times we're trying to fix our, you know, ourselves. You know, we have that thing in the back of the Bible that says, if you're mad, look up this scripture. If you're sad, look up this scripture. You know, if you're in a fight with your brother, look up this scripture. And the truth is, that means that we're trying to fix our own way. What if we just said, God, what do you want to say to me on this day? So, I want to practice returning prayer with you in a really short way. But I'm hoping you can take this home and practice for longer times. Because here's what we know. If we put you under an MRI, if you start to practice calming down the inner chaos, you're going you're gonna to be healthier. Your blood pressure will lower. Your heart will be healthier. Your relationships will be healthier. We get into all the physiology of it on retreat, but just let me promise you, spirit, soul, and body, 
you start to quiet down the inner chaos, you're going to have a you're going to have a relationship with God that is not something you're bossing God around and telling God what to do, trying to control God, or avoiding God because you're afraid of God, or ashamed to be with God because of some sin or some pattern in your life. You're going to start being present to God. So could you just for a moment close your eyes? And if you could connect with an image for God or a name for God that has been life for you, that when God gave that to you, you knew it was for you. Or if you want to borrow this beautiful picture of the prodigal and the son or the cross around the room or God holding the world, just breathe that in. Breathe in that image of God for a minute and ask God to make that true in your inner life, in the chaos of your life. And if thoughts come to try to hijack you, just return to either this image or word that God has given you and breathe it in. And if you get hijacked 10,000 times in just these 60 seconds, just keep returning. Keep returning like the prodigal to, to this father. Keep returning to God. In returning and rest, I am saved. In quietness and trust is my strength. Be still.
our salvation. In quietness and confidence is our trust. In silence, our souls wait for you and for you alone, O God. In you alone, my soul finds its rest. Do you know the antidote for deep loneliness? Solitude. Yes, it's true. In solitude, we are able to let reality, God, define us from the inside out. When we look outside ourselves for help or answers, we seek one diversion after another. But when we stop looking outside for diversions, entertainment, or shallow satisfaction, the truest answers emerge. Be silent. Be still. Alone. Empty. Before your God. Say nothing. Ask nothing. Be silent. Be still. Let your God look upon you. That is all. God knows. God understands. God loves you with an enormous love and only wants to look upon you with that love. Quiet, still, be. Let your God love you. I let go of my grip and know you are God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Just be, friends, in these final moments together. Just be. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to perform. You don't have to fix anything. Just be. Let your God love you. Just be. God's very own child. And a child with a safe parent never has to prove that they're worthy of love. Never has to perform. Never has to fix. Never has to pretend. Never has to avoid just be loved. Just be. God, we know that when we're silent, still before you and when we practice when we learn how to be comfortable in silence, safe in silence, unashamed in silence, not afraid in silence that from that place we actually can be of service in the world, that from that place that together we actually serve our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors, our friends, our world But if we go around clanging around on the inside of ourselves, we bring that clanging around presence to the world. We bring that presence that is ashamed or angry or fearful, but out of a place where we can just be held. We can live for the sake of others in the world that Jesus died for. And so, God, I'm praying for my friends that there would be a grace for them here 
praying this together. For the roots of the community of Crossroads Church, we thank you, living God, for the life we share together here and the life we share with others. We thank you, living God, for the path that lies before us now and our future in your hands. We thank you, living God. Jesus Christ, you are within each of us. It is not just the interior of these walls. It is our own inner being you have renewed. We are your temple, not made with hands. We are your body. If every wall should crumble and every church decay, we are your habitation. Nearer are you than breathing, closer than hands and feet. Ours are the eyes with which you in the mystery look out with compassion on the world. Yet we bless you for this place, for your directing of us, your redeeming of us, and your indwelling Holy Spirit. Will you bless my friends, oh God, this week with times of silence and solitude and listening to your voice that empowers them with love. Amen. God bless you guys. May God fill you.